Well, good afternoon, good evening, really, from the press room at the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. It's Thursday, it's been qualifying day. Weather has not been great, uh, not as good as we expected. Uh, track pretty green, and we've had a couple of uh, incidents out there, specifically one uh, that brought a red flag out in qualifying. Ricky Taylor, absolutely fine, they're fixing the Acura now. And we hope we're going to have all 38 cars that are actually slated for. Uh, this race is record low but a grid of very high quality that they will be all ready to go some questions about the black swan uh, porsche after a big shunt for them in free practice i'm sitting here in one of the radio rooms uh, in the media center with co-presenters for uh, what's uh, today's uh, inside the sports car paddock day at the rolex 24 by stephen kilby and by racers chris medland Hello. <laughs> Hello, boys. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Um, this is glamorous, isn't it? It is very glamorous. Um, we've been out and about, uh, but also catching up with people here post press conferences, and we'll have uh, interviews later on uh, in the show from three pole setters Ben Keating from LMP2, Ollie Jarvis, the overall uh, pole sitter, two time overall pole sitter now for Ollie Jarvis from Mazda, and Nick Tandy. Um, with a track record in GTLM in the brand new Porsche, a brand new to IMSA Porsche. Uh, on top of that, Scott Dixon uh, joined us as well, and uh, we also uh, caught up with Nicky Team, GT superstar, and in the heart of racing, GTD Aston Martin. That's what's still to come, but there's no doubt at all, gentlemen, that um, the, the real buzz around the press room and the paddock for that matter today is not about what's happened today but what's going to happen tomorrow Chris yeah so I rock up for this race just to see some cool racing in January and just have a fairly easy weekend compared to a one-one flat out an F1 race and I thought even tomorrow I thought there's a SpaceX launch going on down the coast I was like maybe I'll head down there and see that that sounds cool Wrong. And, then, <laughs> and then suddenly this press release drops that says there's going to be a big announcement with uh, both the ACO and IMSA having a press conference here, right in the press room where it was sat working. And everybody goes crazy. And I suddenly feel like I've walked into the middle of what's going to be one of the biggest stories of sports car in recent years. Uh, well, let me tell you this. I think most of the full-season media out there have got at least some take on what we're going to hear tomorrow. I'm not going to be the guy that blows it here uh, for everybody. I don't care what you've read elsewhere on the web, listeners. Uh, the reality is, tune in tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow for the day for the Rolex 24. Look at racer.com. Look at dailysportscar.com. Look at the people we're going to be speaking to and what they're going to be telling us. Watch out for some podcast material as well. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. But we also tell me what's going to happen after this. After this. <laughs> yeah. But I can tell you this right now, um, and I'm not exaggerating. I think this is the biggest story in sports car racing in a lifetime um, the potential for what we're to hear tomorrow and particularly when we hear the detail not all of which will be tomorrow is pretty extraordinary um, I'm very very excited about it and I'm not a very excitable guy <laughs> I mean I was looking forward to a lion until no. sa- until Sunday basically no. uh, and yeah now I have to come in early yeah, uh, you're annoyed by that, aren't you? Well, a little bit. Every time I come over here, something seems to happen. It's cool. I did Indy 500 qualifying last year. What happened? Fernando Alonso didn't make it with McLaren, and suddenly the biggest story in in racing at the time. I was there. So basically, 
this is all my doing. So it just it's follows you around. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're both really welcome that I can do this. Hashtag blame Edmund <laughs> <laughs> again. But so what we so, so tomorrow huge day uh, today qualifying cool cars great circuit always the delight to see cars going quickly around the Daytona International Speedway. Enjoy the interviews. I should say as well so that we don't forget thanks as always to uh, Cooper Tyres and to the Justice Brothers for their continued support what we do with the Marshall Pruitt podcast enjoy this show mm. but tuck yourselves in with a milky drink be up bright and early and keep pounding the F5 key to refresh <laughs> uh, the, the content on your chosen media and your chosen media of course I'll say again should be racer.com and dailysportscar.com tomorrow there's going to be awesomeness. Yeah, and then to top it all off, we've got a, a race on Saturday and Sunday to look forward to as well. I mean, you wouldn't know it, would you? It's I like, mean, that's that, that's like the kind of the dessert course, isn't it? Yeah. To what's already looking cherry like. on top. I was going to say you have to be a mince from the sound of it. Absolutely, like, it sounds like this is going to be big enough tomorrow that it's a full five course banquet. Yeah, but remember, there's going to be watches to be won, and uh, what do we know about the watches at the Rolex uh, Twenty Four Hours of Daytona? Alan McNish hasn't got one. <laughs> He's going to hate you for that. I, I, guess, I, guess, I guess the question is, uh, as we're joined by some F1 media royalty, like yourself, Chris, if you're, in, if you're, you're interested and excited about this Sunday's race, or this Saturday's race, you know, everyone else should be. Are you excited about the weekend beyond the big press conference tomorrow? Uh, no, yeah, I am. <laughs> I thought I'd try to screw you guys over then. Um, no, I really am, actually. Um, I, I spoke to both Rossi and Montoya today, because obviously I chase XF1 boys. Uh, but the... Uh, yeah, Is it like yeah. Kiss Chase, but with Formula 1 drivers? Yeah, they always run away. Um, but to be fair to them, they were, they were both saying about how wide open the field is. Like, I think you mentioned by having a smaller field, you've got quality in there at least. And, you know, there's ups and downs to it, but this could be a, a really fast hard race really like fast. all the way through and, and last year we didn't get last year I did get a lot of sleep because we had so much red flag time uh, I quite enjoyed that well, like but, Formula 1 weekend yeah uh, yeah, yeah pretty much <laughs> um, but yeah so I was kind of thinking that it might be similar before arriving because I saw that the weather forecast about a week or so ago wasn't looking so good and now it's just all come together where hopefully everyone can kind of remember the race is happening after tomorrow but I'd like to think it will bring a lot more eyes onto it as well. If it's going to have this huge story that breaks and then a great race on top, that would be perfect. But that puts the pressure on now. The pressure's on all of those teams <laughs> Actually, to go and deliver. I'm interested in your take on tomorrow in general because you're going to have a different perspective to, to me and Graham. And there is going to be an effect on the driver market. No matter what is announced tomorrow, there's going to be an effect and it's going to be a ripple effect across motorsport. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what, what is a f- like officially announced. And obviously there's things that I've now been told a little bit. But we'll see what detail comes out but yeah it could have a, a massive impact and in talking to both Montoya and Rossi today was partly to do with like, why are drivers driving in so many different things at the moment and why doesn't it happen enough with maybe F1 drivers but it has with others and it's only two years ago here we had Lance Stroll Lando Norris and Fernando Alonso all racing and they're all famous aren't they they, 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 they have raced the, the single seater ones um, but to be fair that shows that there's, there's interest and there'll be people in, yeah, I think in Formula One and in single seaters also watching what happens tomorrow to then see well, what's this going to do in terms of my future? How's that path going to go? Because that's something Rossi talked about is his future career path is nowhere near single seaters anymore. It's nowhere near F1. Doesn't care for it anymore because he's got himself in a place where from here he can do so much more. And I think suddenly when people like, I bring him up again, but Fernando Alonso is off doing, driving anything and everything, if more opportunities are going to come about, 
know, we'll see if that's going to be the case. But if they are, then you know, dr- every driver is going to be looking at that sort of thing. We've said it before on the podcast that um, whatever cynicism is around about what Fernando's done and Zach Brown's role in that, that's played a major role in what's been a very positive period of history to bring some of these drivers, Jensen Button and other, you know, uh, and we've had more and more of these guys trying out different uh, other different areas of motorsport. That's opened up other di- areas of motorsport, not just to the drivers, but to the followers of those drivers, mm. which has meant that people have had the opportunity to see that not every paddock is the same, not every vibe is the same, not all the motorsport is the same. And we're getting back to a sort of old-fashioned sort of motorsport again where you have got guys like Fernando, not that there's not many people like Fernando Alonso, that are masters of everything. Remember, he came here and won the race last year mm-hmm. and won, and did so in a massively convincing fashion. He was just plain fast. It's as simple as that. And it's good to see that the guys that we know are highly rated in a very specialist formula like Formula One can plug and play into, let's face it, a spec chassis-based formula um, albeit with you know an awful lot of bits and pieces bolted onto the car um, to come here and win in a DPI and to do so in a way that turns the heads of some of the guys who've been doing this for years and years and years. Yeah, and this this race especially it's one of the reasons that I come here. The timing is perfect because there's 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 clearly a big Formula One fan base and following that is only interested in Formula One. But when there is no F1 on, then suddenly you go, oh, you know, there's there's a very famous driver who's now going and taking part in another race that they maybe didn't know about, and it just moves their eyes this way, and then they kind of see, oh yeah, there's a little bit more going on. But now hopefully it means that they're aware of it year on year. Yeah. And then if we can find another way of just maybe getting that influx to, to keep going, then you can really strengthen almost the link between single-seater racing and sports car racing. And we've got, as, you know, additionally, the traditional influx of IndyCar talents, and the, actually as well as which we've had on occasion, we've got it again this year, some NASCAR talent as well, Carl Busch there in the car that's had a few problems today <laughs> but uh, in the Lexus, but Carl Busch out there in the GTD car. It's... It's that all-star feel that's always been the case. There's always been something about this field, more so than probably any of the other major endurance races, because it sits well before most of the other traditional calendars get running. Mm. Well, listeners, enjoy this podcast. And, boy, shall we reconvene tomorrow, same time, same place, and, uh, and, and talk about what we're hearing? I think after what we're expecting tomorrow, we're probably to pour ourselves in here because I think tomorrow <laughs> is going to be a frenzy. I won't have to be saying my traditional moniker to the uh, to the Delhi Sports Car Crew type faster boys uh, because I tell you right now, we're going to be drained at the end of this one. Enjoy this podcast, as, as Stephen quite rightly says. Join us uh, again tomorrow evening for the second of two uh, day at the Rolex 24 podcast. Before we get into race action on Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be a big one. I've got Ben Keating with me now, fresh from taking pole in the LMP2 class ahead of the Rolex 24. Last time I saw you, Ben, uh, we were at Bahrain, and you'd had what I would consider the performance of your career. Yeah. And well, now we're expecting you to be the quickest driver in two classes because you're not just racing in P2, you're racing in GCD as well. First of all, Ben, welcome to the show. I've got to start off with qualifying. You must be thrilled to to get that front row spot in in the LMP2 class. I am. I, I love the format that IMSA has put together for uh, LMP2. Uh, it, it's a little bit different than what I've seen in other uh, series uh, in requiring a bronze driver in the P2 class. And, uh, uh, and uh, 
uh, I'm excited. The car is so much fun to drive, uh, uh, and uh, you know, we'll see. I, 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 you know, as you, you mentioned, Bahrain, uh, you know, it, it, many people started calling me the Iron Man because I did three stints uh, at the beginning of the race, and uh, that was a st- strategic advantage for us. Uh, but uh, I feel like that's one of the things that I can bring to the table uh, for the team in terms of uh, uh, I may not have the ultimate uh, quickness of the last couple tenths over the long haul, but uh, I'm comfortable being in the car for a long time. It uh, uh, it doesn't I, I almost feel like I get better. I get more comfortable the longer I'm in there. Uh, and so I've trained for that. Uh, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to be in two cars, so I will be extremely busy this weekend. I'm going to be able to uh, test out my endurance, uh, you know, my own personal endurance as we do this 24-hour endurance race. But uh, I haven't driven uh, the P2 car uh, for uh, for even a full stint yet, much less three. Uh, so we'll see. It's definitely the the P2 car. Uh, I would describe it as being more violent than the uh, a, than the GT car. Uh, it just it has more downforce. It, it uh, uh, less travel in the spring, so it kind of beats you up and uh, uh, and uh, more G loads. It, it just it's a little bit more violent in there uh, with everything every input, but a full stint, a full load of fuel in the P2 car is about 40 minutes. So I think if I do a triple stint to start out, that's two hours, uh, and we'll see. I, 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 I feel very comfortable that I can do uh, three hours in a GT car. Uh, I think I'm going to be able to do two hours in the P2 car, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and we'll kind of see how it goes. But uh, you know, if you had to choose your starting position, obviously you want to start up front. Uh, I'm very excited to be on the pole. You know, the the P2 cars are lightweight, and you start with cold tires. Uh, and I feel like at the start of most IMSA races, when the GTLM cars start right behind the P2 cars, uh, their goal they get, they get heat in their tires quicker than the P2 cars do. I feel like the uh, the the main goal of the front row of the P, of the GTLM class is to see how many P2 cars they can pass before we get heat in our tires. So uh, I'm excited that uh, I should be a couple of rows in front of them, uh, and uh, I'll be able to concentrate on just uh, uh, driving my car and uh, doing my job. Uh, in the car without having to worry about racing a, a, a bunch of GT cars. At least that's what I hope. <laughs> so, I mean, so just for for the listeners' sake, you were PR one in, in LMP two, and you got Riley uh, with their Mercedes in in GTD. Now it's a physical challenge. We know that mentally, how much of a challenge is it? Because surely in in two cars that are so different, the track you've got to learn the track almost twice, different braking points. You've also got the fact that you're going to be looking in your mirrors a lot more in the GTD car. How are you handling that and, and jumping between teams? So uh, that's a really good question, and uh, uh, yeah, it uh, it's real, I, I would say. I, I'm very comfortable moving between cars, uh, but I realized at the Roar that usually I've jumped in between GT cars. And, and with the modern GT3 cars uh, that are in GT Daytona, uh, there aren't drastic differences between cars, uh, but you know I started at the Roar 
with the P2 car, and I got really comfortable in the P2 car and uh, did a couple of uh, sessions in the P2 car. Then I went and got in the AMG, and I was shocked. I've driven the AMG for the last three years. I've got more time in an AMG than any other car I've raced, Uh, and uh, uh, I, I made several mistakes uh, uh, I ended up spun in the grass at the kink. Uh, it's different, uh, as you said, and I didn't give it as much respect as I should have for making that change. Uh, and so uh, I ended up adapting very well. Now I, I can go back and forth okay. Uh, but uh, you know, the plan is to – I'm required to start the race in the LMP2 car. Uh, because I'm the bronze, and every bronze has to start the race in that class. In the uh, in the GTD class, either bronze or silver can start, uh, and so Gar is going to start in the AMG. Uh, so I'll hopefully do about two hours in the LMP2 to start the race. Then I'm going to be completely done with the P2 car until I'm completely done with the AMG. So. Uh, I bought a, a new Iron Man watch. I have a timer set for two hours to count down. Uh, as long as uh, so, for your listeners who don't know, there is a rule that any driver is not allowed to drive more than four hours during any six-hour period. So as long as I'm out of the car for at least two hours, I can't uh, break that rule. So I have a, a, a countdown timer on my wrist set to count down two hours so that I know when I'm available to get back in the other car. But right now I'm planning to start the race in the P2. Then I'll do uh, all of my drive time in the uh, AMG, which I think will be two triple stints. Uh, And let's see, so that puts it uh, uh, 12 hours into the race, I think. Uh, three, no, uh, 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 maybe 14 hours into the race uh, before I come back and get back in the P2 car. Uh, but uh, I'm required to do at least four and a half hours in each car. It never works out that way. Uh, I, I'll plan to probably do somewhere around 445 or five hours. I expect to drive a total of somewhere between nine and a half and 10 hours during the race. Uh, and I expect that I'll be able to get all of my drive time done within the first 18 hours. So uh, uh, it's a beautiful plan. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it we'll, sounds really simple. Yes. <laughs> we'll see uh, uh, where that goes. Um, yeah, I asked this question um, to, to Scott Dixon earlier, and that, because he, he, like yourself, has had so much experience around here. He's been here plenty of times. He's been here in prototypes he's been here in gts um and it is a talking point that this year we don't have quite as many cars as normal um do you notice it behind the wheel have you noticed it i love it uh i, I mean i love it from lots of different perspectives uh you know there is uh, there's less traffic uh, uh there are uh, uh i feel like there's a better quality of team uh here than there have been in some years past. Uh, you know, I feel like every car is a long shot in a 24-hour race because so much can happen that's totally out of your control. You know, somebody can make a mistake at the in, in turn four, and you're a hundred yards ahead making the turn in turn five, and they can completely wipe you out and ruin your race. Uh, and 
uh, you know, for lots of different reasons, I expect that we're going to have a really, really fast Rolex 24 this year. Uh, and it helps that there are less cars. Uh, there are uh, There's less car count, but I feel like there's a higher car quality uh, in all classes. Uh, and uh, you know, I like uh, that there's a little less traffic uh, I, because I believe every car is a long shot. I like the fact that I I have a better shot of uh, winning a new Rolex at the uh, at the end of the race, uh, and you know I love the competition. Don't get me wrong, you know uh, uh, I. But it's a quality uh, field, isn't it? There's not a bad right. car on the grid. That's right. Uh, that's that's the point. You know, in my this is my tenth Rolex twenty four in a row. Back in twenty eleven, uh, I think there were sixty seven cars in the field. Uh, and uh, golly, you had to really uh, just put a shield of protection, a bubble around your car uh, to watch out for uh, somebody that's going to T-bone you. Uh, and it doesn't feel that way this year. It's there. It's always there. Uh, but uh, you don't have to feel like you have to really watch out for uh, a few cars. I guess before I let you go, there's one question that I'm sure is on plenty of Marshall Pruitt podcast listeners' minds, which is, if you win both classes, one, how are you going to celebrate because you're going to have to run between two pit garages? And two, are you going to just wear like one watch on each arm going forward? Uh, um, uh, I hope I have to deal with that problem. <laughs> <laughs> I won't let myself go there. Uh, uh, it, it just seems, you know, I, I mentioned just a minute ago, this is my 10th Rolex 24. Uh, I have put together what I believed to be the number one absolute best team in the field to win the race 10 times. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, the fact is you just can't plan for it. Uh, uh, it uh, it comes to you, and and, uh, and so because of that, uh, it's hard to even believe what it would be like uh, uh, to win two watches. Uh, it's hard to believe what it would be like to be on two podiums. Uh, uh, and uh, be uh, <laughs> spraying uh, that much champagne. That's right. That's right. Uh, 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 but uh, if if I can win another watch, uh, I, I think my wife uh, deserves it. She's the reason I'm into racing uh, uh, in the first place. Uh, and uh, I think she'd have to be number one on the list mm-hmm. for uh, uh, having to wear one, you know, getting to wear one, uh, so that uh, you know, she can tell time just as well as I could. <laughs> You're a superstar, Ben, and we look forward to 2021 when you come back and race in all four classes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all know it's in the pipeline. <laughs> You're a superstar. Thanks right. so much. Thank you. With Nikki Team in the media room uh, for the Rolex 24. Nikki, I guess a surprise to many, this is only your second time here. It's been a while since you've been back, and you're back with Harder Racing in this fabulous new GTD, what we would call GT3 car. Impressions of the car and impressions after a few years away of this this fantastic facility. Yeah, as you say, like been around Europe and basically the rest of the world uh, a lot of times. But uh, IMSA, as you say, is like only my my third time in general. So um, really, really happy to be back here, especially with the new Aston Martin program. They've been off the scene for some years now. So um, great family, great. Uh, Great team racing for uh, for a good course, um, and 
I think also a very um, competitive group of people put together in a short in a short call because the program was really on a late late call before I think it was two weeks before the war. Uh, everything was put together, so um, standing here so far no issues. Uh, practice one and two over and done. So uh, still lacking a little bit performance to be honest, but um, let's see. It's still a long long weekend. I'm sure you'd love to be in the GTLM field here. It's it's not as many cars as we've seen before, but like in the WEC, it's not a numbers game, it's a quality game. But put that aside for a moment. We'll come back to that. GTD, GT3 in our kind of language, you're pretty used to being amongst uh, you know stacked fields of GT3 cars, lots of factory interest. You're part of that. What are you expecting from the race? Yeah, um, expectations. Obviously, you come in here. For me, it's a, it's a one-off uh, as a GT driver, I think Rolex Daytona is uh, one of the the big ones. Um, talking about the Rolex, obviously everyone want to go around and uh, be flashing that around. But um, again, here to to get the family as the Martin up and running the best uh, that I can. So uh, they got a good start to the season. And yeah, GTD uh, very competitive, 18 cars. The principle of racing in America is so different. For, compared to what I'm used to from the WEC or Blancpain for that sake um, with the pass rounds and all that uh, so you, you have a different approach I would say as, as a driver um, also in mind that you have the, the amps coming through so obviously teams got different strategies there but it's, that's why we I, f- I think this is one of the more popular ones uh, because you just, it just comes down to the last Four, two, two to four hours uh, of the race. Um, on the paper, it's, it sounds boring that you basically just have to go round in circles for twenty hours. But it's uh, with the with the mind on the end game. But if it's just uh, part of it, and still hard to get get it right, even though it sounds like an easy job. It suits your style. You're you're not you're a racer. You're not a guy that uh, pedals around just for the experience. You're a racer. And it suits your style that you can run for a win early doors and, and keep that momentum or if things don't go right you can push hard to get back and can get those laps back on yeah. that pass around yeah exactly and I think that's that's the American mentality which uh, obviously brings uh, racing really close um, together maybe you don't have the, the overall performance uh, to be there but you will always be saved I would call um, by the system so um, it's basically everyone's everyone's game uh, on on Saturday Sunday when it comes down to the final final battle. Talk a little bit about this amazing racetrack we're at. It's very different. You're quite right. It's just about anything we see in WC or Blancpain. The banking obviously is what yeah. stands out here. From a perspective of the challenge for the driver, how does this rank? To be honest, that not not so tricky a track, especially not in a GT3 where you've got all that. Uh, that um, the help you got in the car or from the car, uh, but obviously going on, uh, on a bank that you will you will not experience anywhere else, um, it's it's fantastic. And the uh, the first thing that crossed my mind is like the the boys, uh, the big boys from NASCAR, like they're going free wide around there. It's, uh, it's absolutely uh, uh, absolutely crazy and mental for from my point of view. That's what was that was my my thoughts going around there, like. That's uh, take my hat off for the, for those guys, um, but yeah, coming back to the track, you got the infield which suits like the normal racetrack as we know it. Very very slippery, 
um, because it's not used so much. A little bit like like Sebring, surface-wise, uh, change of surface camber, which makes it really really interesting. It looks really easy, but it's uh, being out there getting everything right is so is so hard. And then you go onto this uh, massive wall of uh, of a banking and uh, makes it uh, pretty exciting. You like to be here back here in the GT11 car next year, maybe? Yeah, I, I really hope so. I think we have we have been praying and uh, keep pounding uh, John Gore a lot of times to, to to go here at least to do the the Daytona and Sebring. So um, yeah, I will I will keep doing that when we when we come back here for Kota. So. Um, but yeah, I know it's it's a dream of Aston Martin. But um, as as we all know, there's a lot of other stuff going around in the background. So uh, um, let's see what happens in the future. But it would be great to have uh, a proper factory uh, commitment to to the IMSA series. Yeki, thanks for your time. Uh, Nick Tandy uh, in the press room just after the post-qualifying uh, press conference. Another pole position, uh, equaling, did I hear, the uh, record of four pole positions here from uh, the not-related-to-Marshall Scott Pruitt. Um, four pole positions then, beating your own track record from last year in the debut for the new version of 911 RSR. Pretty good, eh? <laughs> Well, we just we just want to exchange you a little bit of um, not a bad Thursday, not a bad Thursday for starters. <laughs> Suffered a bit with a little bit of a cold here, yeah. Nick tells me, but um, we had already got a track record gone by a single thousandth of a second by uh, by Lawrence, and then you went and spoiled his afternoon. Yeah, apparently so. Um, I was on track, and uh, and Gary was saying that we were we 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 got a bit of a gap to the vets. Um, but obviously the the nine twelve came out the pit later than us, so was a bit behind. And uh, yeah, he said oh, it, uh, Lawrence has gone to the front on a what was it forty two two, forty two two five six. Yeah, beating your previous le- track record. And I was I was kind of, kind of on a on a decent lap in the infield, and um, yeah, just had a mega run out of six and onto the onto the banking, messed up the the bus stop a bit but probably gained a bit of time on entry and just just pipped him to the line but kind of that shows that that was the, the pace in, in our cars um, obviously really happy to, to get another pole for Porsche and the team but as you say I found out that uh, I managed I matched the apparently the most most poles for the Daytona 24 with Mr Pruitt so which is amazing yeah that's both, quite both, quite something both elderly gentlemen <laughs> So we get there. We, we, we all get there. So it's going to be the first race in um, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship for the new version of the RSR. We lose the soundtrack, which has been amazing, but you've gained an awful lot by the look of it in terms of the detail of this new package. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, that's it. It's um, We obviously, all the cars run in a, in a BOP formula, so um, you can build... You can, you can do what you like within... Uh, of course the parameters of the regulation but uh, there's no point building a car that's absolutely ballistic on one lap and gets a huge peak out of its tyre and can go really really fast because you know you, you're brought back into a level of, of BOP and if you if you cannot sustain that pace then you've got a very very bad race car so you know when, when we build these new cars and we get the updates uh, and things like this um from a performance point of view you want a consistent car and a car that is friendly to its drivers 
that's friendly to work on for the crew and the other thing of course with with new equipment is to make it more reliable so this is you know these are all sort of the key things that go in and uh yeah like you say we've we've come out with a brand new car and we've improved our lap time by what less than half a tenth yeah so the yeah it's so kind of the the level of the you know the way that uh, the championship and IMSA are controlling things. It looks it looks really good, and yeah, if we can make sure the car is is more consistent and uh, more reliable, then it's everything's a, a bonus. So it's always nice to, to have something new to play with as well. Yeah, well, tell me how much time have the the IMSA guys had with the new car? Obviously, you've had the raw test. But how much other testing have you had with the 2019 car, rather? Yeah, so we we took. Um, delivery of the first test car back in the summer last year um, so whilst we were still conducting our test program with the 17 RSR in the 19 season yep. um, we would take along the new car as well um, if, if we were at certain racetracks that we, we wanted to test the new car at and then of course since um, since Atlanta in October uh, I think we tested the day after the race with the, with the new car so it's been pretty extensive. You yeah. know, we we came to, we came here to D- Daytona and did a couple of data tests before Christmas. We've been to Sebring, um, you know. So it's we haven't been sitting still. I, I know that none of the others do either. But uh, there's been a lot of effort put in, and um, yeah, this is so far just rewards for the the work and the time that's been put in. Last question is about GTLM this year. We've seen in the WC with. Ford's going away and BMW opted not to step into the WC clearly fewer cars it's not done anything though to diminish the level of competition this year you've got the new car in IMSA for you guys there's obviously a brand new package for, for Corvettes but no Ford fewer in number you expecting anything less of a war out there? It won't be it won't be any less there'll just be less people in that war of course I mean it's a fact that there's less cars on the grid, which is a shame, you know, we, we we don't like getting beaten by Ford, but we enjoyed the competition and we enjoyed running with them, the same as, uh, you know, we used to do with, with Reese, uh, race in, race out. But, of course, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not like we're uh, racing ourselves. We're racing the factory Corvettes and the factory BMW cars, um, which is... You know, this is top, top, top level motorsport no competition. Link. There's no weak exactly. So, yeah, it's um, it's down in numbers, but but not in um, you know the strength mm-hmm. and depth of the the competition. So, it just means our chances of being on the podium are slightly better. Let's wait and see whether or not we have that conversation in what it's going to be what 72 hours time. For now, Nick Tandy, congratulations. Track record, pole position equaling Scott Pruitt's record at this great race and let's see what the weekend brings. Thanks Graham. Scott Dixon's with me now. Welcome to the show Scott and uh, it's, it's odd seeing you in something that you know, isn't labelled up with Ganassi Racing. Uh, <laughs> decals all over it. You're here with Wayne Taylor Racing top of the shop in DPI um, what's it like making that change? Because you've been here obviously with Ganassi for so many years now yeah, yeah. I think it's my first time, uh, my first race in 2004 with Ganassi here at Daytona. I've been been here only with him, so it's definitely a, a shift. You know, I think uh, 
you know, it helps when Wayne and Chip are, are close. You know, I think it gets tricky uh, moving across platforms for one, uh, but also outside the realm of you know of of the general team. So, and manufacturer. So again, there's always lots of obstacles. I think for for no matter uh, who's trying to you know jump or, or move to teams. But with Chip out of the race this year, you know, it, it um, you know I think he's he's greatly missed. The team is greatly missed from from the series. But but ultimately, it, it opened up some opportunities. So uh, moving to to Wayne. Uh, team has been relatively easy. You know, a lot of ex Ganassi people are there actually, and and uh, you know, you got to remember it's a small community. So I've known Wayne and Max for for a long time, and and uh, you know, obviously worked with Ryan before, and now he's you know got the full season entry there as well. So it um, yeah has been pretty seamless. Well, if you're going to choose a team to pick, why not the defending champions? You know what it takes to win this race, um, and you know it's been a while since you've been at the top in a prototype. Give us an impression of just how different this is to the last time you were here at the Tox. Obviously, you've missed the, the you know the start of the DPI era, haven't you? Yeah, I think the the competition itself is pretty uh, similar. You know, I think um, you know the fields are down right now. Uh, I think you know MS is kind of going through a bit of a transitional phase, and especially with you know new rules package and maybe announcements of of you know similar uh, crossover categories for different series will will, will definitely help. Uh, uh, and maybe a resurgence, um, but the competition in, in general is just as tight. You know, you really went to a you know a twenty four hour for the longest period. Even if there was you know sixty to eighty cars in the field, there was there was really only you know eight or ten that could possibly win it. But uh, you know, right now is is tight. You know, it's great to to come back with the defending champions. Um, you know, it doesn't guarantee you anything. You're sort of you know coming back uh, um, and starting from scratch. But yeah, it's definitely it's evolved a lot. You know, from the DP to the DPI. You know, it's it's a purpose built monocoque, and you know. The, the technology's uh, moved on a lot further. You know, downforce is probably a lot higher. So, you know, I think even the lap times are you know six seconds quicker, or maybe more. You know, from from when we ran. So, it's um, you know, it's definitely a shift. But honestly, it's just more closer maybe to the package that we run in IndyCar. Uh, but each car throughout you know, kind of have their own nuances of what's, you know, tricky and what's easy and what it does well and, and what you really need to work on. So I think for us that, you know, uh, the problems are always still the same. You're still trying to go as fast uh, or faster than anybody else out there and do it in a way that you can run that pace for, you know, for the whole 24 hours. You mentioned it being a smaller field. Yeah, obviously, you've had a bit of time out there at, at the Raw and, and so far to, today. Um, how different does it make it with, with a lot of your cars out there? Yeah, I think it will be strategy-wise will be a, a little bit uh, harder, you know, uh, especially if you if you you know have a problem or uh, if you go to the garage. I think now if you go to the garage, you're, you're pretty much eliminated from trying to win. You know, it used to be days that you could kind of make a comeback from you know a two or three lap deficit. Um, but it eliminates also the fact of yellows, so then it's harder to get those caution, you know, those cautions and get those laps back. But um, you know, you should have less of them just because there's less cars, and, and it seems like the quality is a little bit better. Uh, but I, I don't know. For me, actually, I enjoy, you know, especially when you're in the prototype, the amount of cars that you you really have to cut through. You know, so uh, the years where there were a, a ton of entries, you know, uh, hopefully, I've said. You know they will get back to that. It's just right now. I think there's a lot of uh, people, you know, trying to figure out where they need to be in the next uh, two, three, four years. So I'll let you type for time. So I'll ask you one more question. Complete this sentence. To win this race, Wayne Taylor Racing has to blank. Uh, have zero problems. That's that's what it's come down to these days. You you got to have no problems. And I think if even at that stage it doesn't guarantee you anything i think back in the the early to mid 2000s if you had zero problems you could probably say you're going to win the race uh but now it's it's uh 
the competition, the reliability, what these manufacturers have been able to do. You know, gone are the days where it was a 24-hour race and you know it was an endurance race. Now it's a 24-hour sprint race, man. It's it's flat out. So uh, it's fun. I love it. Yeah, that's why we, we love seeing you come back. Thanks so much for your time, Scott, and I'll speak to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Final interview of the day, and it's, well, the top result today. Overall pole position and a second consecutive pole position at this great race for the same man. Uh, Oliver Jarvis, pretty special day. Yeah, amazing day. I mean, arriving here, we knew we had a great car, um, but it's nice to go out and actually realise that potential. And a big thank you to the team, also to my teammates for letting me take qualifying. Um, You know, very understanding of them because, of course, Three drivers all want to, want to do it, especially when you've got, got a quick car. Not always the case if you you know you're not quite as competitive. But to put it on pole, and um, you know, it's a reward for all the hard work over the winter, and it's a nice way to start the year. We talked a lot uh, today about track conditions, rain, more rain than perhaps we expected. Track has been very green. Not going to go on about track records, but we've, we've seen one or two of them. But how tricky was it out there? Actually, qualifying, um, the track made a big step from, from the test this morning, um, which is why I think we ended up about 1.3 seconds quicker, which is it's quite a jump. Um, track's definitely not at the optimum, but in terms of quality, I had a great car. Um, you know, you're talking very fine margins now. A little tiny percentage increase in track grip, and, and the, the times would have been three, four, five tenths quicker. But um, no, it, it was good out there. I mean, the rain affected this morning, but um, I was surprised how, how good the track was. I had a, a 3.8, 3.9 bet with the team would be pole, so we, we just pipped it. There's two questions, really. Um, one is about this race, without a shadow of a doubt. The other one is about a championship run. First question is about where's the priority for Master? Um, for Master, I'm not sure. You'll have to ask uh, <laughs> the new boss that one. But for me... I'd like to win a championship, you know, to really, you know, I've been in America, this is my third year, um, I've raced here previous to that, but third full season, and I think for me personally, of course I want to win the big races, you know, I've, I've won Sebring, I've won Daytona in class, got close to winning Petit Le Mans last year, um, but to, to win a championship would be very special, and, and really sort of, you know, say I'm, I'm here and, and here to stay. And the form we saw once this freight train started really moving in the middle of last season shows that that should be a possibility yeah without a doubt I wouldn't still be here if it wasn't you know I I believe in this team it's been a, a journey and one I've really enjoyed being part of um, you know you, sometimes you join a winning team and everything works straight away but this you know we've had our struggles and it took longer than, than people expected maybe not us but certainly the press you know there was this expectation that Yost take over and, and wave a magic wand but you know, to build a race team and to build a, a race car takes time. And we've done that. We've, we've had a really good progression. And, and I've loved being part of that, working with them closely and, and seeing where the project's going. And, and it's really optimistic. Final question about the season is about there's going to obviously be a transition and it's going to come after Sebring where the Yoast element will depart. It will become a much more multimatic run show. Where are the preparations for that from your perspective going well? Is that transition going to be smooth? To be honest, I've got no idea from that side of things, and, and that's the honest. You know, that's not a, you know, what I've been told to say. That's, you know, I know as much as probably everybody else. You know, we understand that, and I've I've read it, and, and that that there could be a change after Sebring. Um, I don't know too much about it, but what I do know is whatever happens, whether you know, 
I've got a lot of faith in the Mazda organization. A lot of, a lot of, you know, I love working with the Yoast guys. I've got a relationship with them that stretches back. Probably trying to work there six, seven, quite a long quite, quite time. longer than I'd like to admit. <laughs> so you know, and and the same guys that worked at Audi with me. And but at the same time, Moldy Matic do a great job as well. You know, we've got some amazing partners, and and it all blends really well together. What happens after Sebring? Um, we'll have to wait and see, but. Whatever happens, I'm pretty confident that it's it's going to be a very natural progression and it, it shouldn't have too much of an effect. Final question is about this race. One of the great races in endurance racing history. Everybody would like to win it. Mazda absolutely would like to win it. But we know, simply because of the package, this is the one that is less, least likely, if you like, to be something where that package is going to shine. Real pace, but there is that issue about potential reliability. Yeah, we have a very quick car. Everyone's seen seen that. We know that uh, reliability has obviously been an issue in the past. You know, people know that. There's no point sugarcoating it. We have done everything we can. As far as I'm concerned, we put a lot of work in over the winter, and I'm not as concerned as as I would have been in the last two years. Um, there's always that air of doubt, and that's not just with this package. It doesn't matter what car you're in. You know, we've seen the other manufacturers have issues. I've seen very large manufacturers with very big budgets have issues in, in Le Mans. When you're talking 24 hours, it can be it can be a two dollar, two euro, two pound part. You know, you can do everything you write, and you could have had a bad batch or something. There's so many elements that are out of your control. So to sit here and say, you know, no concern whatsoever about reliability would be a lie. Do I think we've we've come here prepared? Yes, definitely. Final, final question is about this field. It is a record low number. I'm not going to go on about that. But that does have an impact on the way this race potentially goes forward. Is that a good thing with less traffic or a bad thing? It's interesting. I actually read that it was a record low number in, um, in the press. As a driver, I haven't noticed because when I look down the grid, for me, it's a record number of, of competitive top teams. So I think I read uh, John Doonan say, you know, quality over quantity quantity but I'm just going to reiterate that you know I look down the field and I've never seen so many strong cars um can't speak for for all the classes but even in GT you know there's yeah yeah these guys it's I recognize LMP2 there's some top guys in that so that itself the fact you've got less cars is going to play a part but the fact that I think the quality is probably the highest you've ever had I would think you might see it I think Ben Keating just touched on it. The race could be green for, for longer periods than we've seen in the past, less yellows. Mileages could be broken this year. You know, the cars are quicker, tyres are better, and, and fingers crossed that rain stays away because, um, you know, I think you could really see some some distance travel over 24 hours. For now, good luck for the weekend, Ollie. Uh, another pole position, a double pole position setter. At any race is something to celebrate with something as special as Rose 24 hours at Daytona. It's a very special day. Yes, definitely. Happy to be here and hopefully we can have a good one. Yeah.